everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Data of D&D, the D&D podcast about data science behind Dungeons & Dragons on the Tome Show Network. Help support the show and the network by using the Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links found on thetomeshow.com, and leave us a review on iTunes. Now, let's begin the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Data of D&D. I hope you guys had a great life in between our last episode now. I'm Topher Cohan, one of your co-hosts. With me as always is... Mike Shea. Mike, welcome back. How you been? Thank you. Oh, very good. I love everything about that. All right, Mike, what's the topic of episode two? So last time we talked about the uh, an analysis of the best D&D advice, and that was mostly to kind of talk about the process and talk a little bit more about what we're going to do on the show. But the results were, were, were rather silly uh, by design. You know, the question was sort of a fun question, and people kind of went fun with the answers. So it wasn't necessarily useful when it comes to how we play and run our game. But I loved the result. I loved, I loved that whole kind of process. And, and as I mentioned in the last show, I'm very interested in getting the aggregate thoughts of the D&D community. Like, it, you know, there are many, many very, very smart people in this in this community that I love to talk to and I love to hear about. But I also uh, am a big believer in the in the whole uh, uh, the whole groupthink idea. Not you know, not groupthink in a bad way, but the whole uh, the whole idea that you get lots of people together and you kind of ask them a big question and you can you can you can really come to an interesting answer. You know, the Wikinomics. You know, of this situation. And uh, so from that process, I said, well, let me ask a more serious question. I went to both Twitter and Facebook and I posted the question of what are the three most important traits for a good dungeon master? And I was very particular with how I phrased this. In fact, my wife and I were in the car when I was kind of drafting this question. And I didn't want to say best dungeon master. I didn't want to. I, I wanted to say, you know, if you're going to be a good, solid dungeon master, what does everybody think the top three traits are? And then my hope was by saying top three traits and kind of keeping it limited that, that uh, I would have data that was uh, easier to process and uh, I was not disappointed. So the topic of our show today is going to be looking at the results of 162 total responses to the question on both Facebook and Twitter on the question, uh, what are the top three most important traits for a good Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master? And in theory, this information could be used for any role-playing game, whether it's a DM or a GM or whatever, right? Don't you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people kind of took it that way too. Nobody, nobody talked about like how to give inspiration or or any or if they did, it was buried. <laughs> it was, you know, right. there's lots of things that could be in there that I did not see, but they, uh, uh, for the most part, these are all traits that I think are valuable to any RPG. But I've kind of been focused on D and D, and that's kind of where I focused my my question. And as always, the write-up for this will be over on your side on SlyFlourish.com, which will have, um, if it's like the past ones, will have lovely charts and graphics and such. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do the same sort of word graph uh, because it's so small. One of the things that we didn't talk about in the last episode is the idea of building a word graph. I hate word clouds. I don't know if you want to get into a big fight about word clouds. I don't know if you love word clouds. You love word clouds? I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of word graphs, yeah. And I'll, and I'll explain why word clouds suck in case anybody thinks they're great. And one is there's no actual statistical significance to it. They have big ass words and little small words, and there's nothing to tell you how m much more important the big one is than the small. And in fact, and this is uh, if you if you want to dig into this kind of idea, the Edward Tufte, uh, Edward Tufte, who is a big data visualization guru that has been around for many decades now. Um, one problem is anytime you take a word and you expand it both in height and width, you are increasing uh, 
the actual value of that word way more than its actual value because it, you're taking a linear value and you're turning into a quadratic value. Right. So don't so just do that. Instead, just stick it in a big spreadsheet and tell us the number. And that's what I that's what I do in the site. Nice. All right. I like everything about that. And there will be a link in the show notes to a, a definition, an example of word graph. So do you want to talk about the results? Yeah, let's talk about the results. All right. So um, as we talked about last time, the, the whole concept of regression to the mean and the central limit theorem, the idea that if you were sort of to, to pick any random piece of data out of a distribution of data, it's very likely to be somewhere in the middle. And it means that the more data you pull in, the more likely it is to coalesce around sort of a middle, a median point. Uh, and last time we talked about how it focused on one particular phrase that was very common and very expected. Uh, this was the best D&D advice, which was don't split the party. Uh, however, and while that same case existed in this one, I still found the result to be really interesting. And that was that the number one result, and, and I kind of cheated here, and I'll get into the cheat, although you probably detect it right away, was that uh, the number one result for the three DM traits that people put in is to be flexible and adaptable. Now, the cheat is I combined those two words because I could not really find a difference between the two. To me, flexibility and adaptability in the context of, of being a DM are, are pretty synonymous. So by grouping those together, it ended up being the largest phrase used among the total results. 36.4% of the 162 results, 59 results, had flexible and adaptable as their key phrase. Now, not uncommon. Like, again, if you were to say, what's the most important thing? Most likely you would get, you know, you're more just like rolling a seven on a pair of D6s. You're more likely to hear people say flexibility and adaptability is, is the most important trait. But it's something that we might not think about all the time, right? Like... You know, we we might think that other people are going to say understanding the rules, you know, knowing what the rules are. And here's the interesting thing. The word rules was only brought up four times out of 162 results. Right. Really? That's it. That was it. So rules is like I, I, I didn't number them, but it's pretty low on the list. It's below the top 10. And where flexibility and adaptability had nearly 60 responses, rules had four. So anybody that thinks like that, the thing that's holding back. Them, themselves as a dungeon master is that they don't understand the rules. That is not the most important trait, according to you know the DMs who responded to this. That that a more important trait by far is being flexible and adaptable. Um, just to kind of hit some of the, I'll, I'll just kind of go through you know uh, the, the the top list a little bit. Flexible and adaptable was number one. Again, I kind of joined it together. So it's a little bit of a cheat, but. I think most people agree that it's really hard to, to split hairs on exactly what the difference is between flexible and adaptable. Uh, creative was number two. Improvisational was number three. Fair is number four. Fun is number five. Patience is number six. Prepared is number seven. And listener is number eight. And that one had 10 responses. All of the ones below that, including say yes, was the very next phrase, was, uh, had eight responses of 4.9% of the results. Um, and, and the list goes on. But I really found those top ones and to be very interesting. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked about with this show is that we kind of want to take a little concept in, in data and, and sort of reinforce it. And one I'll talk about now is a thing called the power curve. You might have heard of the Pareto principle. Uh, Topher, do you want to describe the Pareto principle? I really don't. <laughs> do, do you know what the Pareto Principle is? I actually I'm just don't. Trying, I'm trying to put you on the spot. I actually don't know what the Pareto Principle okay. is. Okay. Uh, Pareto Principle is also known as the 80-20 rule. Oh, I you know, know that the, is. I don't yeah. know the 80 Do you want to describe yeah. the 80-20 rule? Um, yeah. So the 80-20 rule is the fact that if you ask 80%, you will, then there will be no difference in the 20%. Uh, kind of. So it's, it's essentially like if you look at many different aspects of life, 
Um, you know, Ayn Rand is like a big example of this, right? Uh, that that 80% of your profit will come from 20% of your customers. Right, yeah, okay. Right? And that 80% of your, and, and you know, in the web statistics world, I'm sure you see this, like 80% of your hits are coming from 20% of your responders. You know, and, and that principle actually is on a curve. It's not a specific block at the 80% and 20% mark. It is actually on a, a power curve, you know, an, an asymptotic curve. Asymptotic? Asymptotic asymptotic curve um what it means is things aren't linear right like in in life things are not linear if you if you think about like the growth of anything you look at the stock market the stock market you can't just draw a flat line and the stock market follows that flat line the stock market spikes and drops in exponential you know rises and falls uh if you look at it over a long period of time luckily in the daily basis it doesn't do that and you, you also find it pretty much any time you're looking at any data source of a reasonable size, what you end up seeing is a power series, which is that your first element and your tenth element are going to be ten times off, not just, not just linear. You know, it's not just one to ten. It's going to, it's going to grow on a, on a spike. And the example with this one, I, of course, lost my page, um, is that the flexible and adaptable one had 60 responses. And when you get down to listener, it's only 10 Right. So you can all and then as you go down, it, it drops, it drops even more significantly. So you see this sort of big drop that, uh, you know, listeners 6.2 results, but flexible and adaptable is 36 percent of the results, significantly higher. You know, in that case, it's five times higher than the other one. So, you know, that that idea of a power series, you end up seeing power series everywhere. Uh, uh, I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about the amounts of elements in the universe. And there's, you know, 10 times more hydrogen in the universe than there is all of the other elements combined. Right. And then helium is the next highest one. And it's 10 times more than all the other ones combined. So and if you go down the list of the elements, you get this big curve of most everything is hydrogen. The next most thing is, is, is helium. And then you go down the list until it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's on a big curve. It's not a flat linear line. Does that make sense? Is that boring as shit? No, it's not. And but I have a question. And yeah. I understand that this question, it would break actually your analysis. I'm going to be very clear about that. I know that. But. When you are doing data analysis of, let's use website traffic for an example, right? You throw the biggest number out and the smallest number out. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because, right. because yeah, there right. could have been an anomaly. If you're in an yeah. e-commerce site, it was Black Friday. If it were yeah. your news site, the president right. gave a speech or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, you get rid of your outliers. Right. You don't want to – I want to pay too much attention to your outliers because they're outliers. They don't represent your data. So if we flew out, if we threw out flexible and adaptable and yeah. then threw, threw out consistent, does that change your analysis of this information? Uh, it, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't change the power curve too much. Now, I'm using power curve lightly. And the whole thing about the Pareto principle and the power curve is it's not perfectly mathematical. You can't, you know, you can't do a log of it and get a perfectly straight line. But if you pull out flexible and adaptable, creative is still 23% of the results with 38 responses. And thinking, which is in the bottom of the list, and, and remember, I cut this list off at three and below, or at two and below. I think At two point, at two and below, it, it's kind of like, it's too, now you're really getting into noise and it's really not worth, it's not, it's not very much of a statistical trend if you only have two results. But, you know, the bottom is still 1.9%, which the top is still 23.5%. So you still, you still have the significant, in that case, you know, a more than 10 times uh, greater amount of people talking about being creative than they are talking about being a good thinker. So it doesn't break your data. But, yeah, that whole idea of pulling out your outliers, that's something we'll probably talk about in the future. In fact, in another show where we're going to talk about D&D Twitter data, I will, I will get specifically into how we needed to remove outliers from that because they were overwhelming the results. So that's a very, very good point and something I think is very interesting. 
All right, we're coming up on this. So one of the things I don't think we touched on last time is you and I are trying to keep this short because it can be a pretty <laughs> um, heady uh, topic. I mean, we want people to have good takeaways but not you know, have you and I ramble on for an hour about dad outliers and such. Right. So my two ending questions to you are, yeah. number one, what's the one takeaway from a data analysis point of view you would like the listeners to get? So I probably have less of a uh, data one for this, and, and I just bash the hell out of the topic. But that idea of the power curve, I think, is an important one. And if you look around your world and you see these sort of exponential growths and you go, oh, my God, you know, the world's going to end because of this crazy exponential growth we've got. It probably you know, exponential growth is everywhere. You know, the plants grow exponentially. Dogs grow exponentially. Right. Like you can see you can take the Pareto. The reason why there is a Pareto principle and an 80 20 rule and the reason why it's relatively well known is because it that model fits lots of different places. So don't get excited about the power curve and, and expect that you're going to see one. That would be my data. That would be my data piece. And I have a link to the Wikipedia article. We're going to be linking to lots of Wikipedia articles, I think, for the Pareto principle 80-20 rule in the show notes if people want to read more about that. The second thing, what's the takeaway from the data? What's the D&D takeaway you want people to get? I, yeah. I, I, wanna, big... I want to do mine first. Yeah, please do. I think, unlike the last one where we had lots of absolutes, in which we found not surprising, but surprising. Mm -hmm. uh, in this one, I think that the opposite in my mind is true. And the fact that the top three and the bottom three all mm -hmm. lead to being not absolute. Mm -hmm. Flexibility, adaptability, mm -hmm. creativity, Im mm -hmm. improvisation, flair, the yep. bottom three, consistent thinking, translator, all right, whatever. <laughs> right, so... I think that what that tells me is the fact that when you ask a more directed question mm -hmm. about specifically about brazen DMing, I think that what you and I or what most people think about DMing and telling good stories comes out. You nailed it on the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the one big takeaway that I that I kind of got from this and this is sort of, you know, I'm kind of grabbing this and running with it heavily. And it actually res re resulted in some other conversations that I've had. Uh, since putting this together is really the third item, the list, which is, imp you know, the word was improvisational. And again, I, I sort of grouped together anything that had anything about improv. So anybody that said improv, improvisation or improvisation, improvisational all got mashed together. But when you think about flexibility and adaptability, creativeness and improvisation, those are all tied together. And this, the, the actual skill that we can work on is, in fact, improvisation. And I know this, you know, again, you know, the, the, the whole regression of the mean and the central limit theorem is you, the more data you have, the more boring the results. Saying that improvisation is important to D&D &D might not really shock people that much. But to me, it's like that is sort of a new area that we can, you know, I, I know as a DM, I'm going to spend more time focusing on and researching and thinking about there are good books about how to improv for D&D. &D. There's good books on how to improv in general. But the idea that the top three you know, most valued traits for a good DM are tied to me to around improvisation is really kind of a, you know, wake up call is probably a strong idea, but I think it's a really interesting area to focus around. And the idea that a lot of the other stuff just isn't as important as being good at improvisation at the table. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. All right, guys, that's going to be it for us today. Uh, I am Topher Cohan. You can reach me at twitter.com slash at Topher ATL. T-O-P-H-E-R-A-T-L, or at the Facebook, at facebook.com slash Topher Cohan, T-O-P-H-E-R, 
dot k o h a n. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys about what you think of the show. Um, we obviously are always looking for feedback, points of data. Send us those points of data and for sources. Topics. Sources, right? Sources. Send me sources of data. I and want Mike, your data. Where would they send those sources to, Mike? Uh, you can either tell me tell me about them on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash slyflourish. Send me links or send me a, a thing. You can also email me if you've got an idea and you want to send it my way. Uh, my email address is mike, M-I-K-E, at mikeshea, dot net. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to episode two of the Data of D&D. And look for the next one really soon. Thanks, guys. On behalf of myself and Mike, Thanks for listening to The Data of D&D. If you liked what you hear and you want to help us out, go to our sponsor, Easy Dice Roller, at easydiceroller.com or over at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. The music you're listening to right now is by Scott Holmes from thefreemusicarchive.org. And remember, math is fun. See you next time.